Hello. So we've been talking a lot about the kingdom of God, the beautiful, awesome, compassionate, powerful, gracious, holy, empowering, merciful and loving rule and reign of God. Remember, the kingdom of God is not so much a place as his actual ruling and reigning. It's God having his way. It's everything happening according to his will. And that is amazing. This kingdom rule and reign of God is supposed to be the one thing that we long for more than anything else in our lives. And last week, Rian challenged us to remember that as well as being our savior, our confidant and our friend, Jesus is also our mighty warrior king who's destined to rule over everything with his righteousness, peace and joy. He calls us as his people to be part of announcing and extending his kingdom. But that also means that Jesus gets to be king of our lives. He gets to rule over us in every way and in every area. We're called to submit all our thoughts and our speech, all our behavior, all our relationships, all our time and all our plans and ambitions. We're called to submit them all to the rule of King Jesus. And then Rian also reminded us that receiving Jesus as our king means we get to go into battle with him against the lies that have been spoken over us or against the attacks of the enemy, such as injustice or sickness or oppression. You see, when Jesus rules our lives, it will ultimately lead to our blessing. It will bring us true freedom and it will bring us life. And of course, the life of God's kingdom under his rule and reign is an eternal life, a forever life with him. Now, let's be honest. Letting Jesus rule all of our thoughts and speech and all our attitudes and behaviors, submitting our will to his and pursuing his agenda over ours, well, sometimes it's not necessarily easy. You see, apart from Christ, we're pretty good at pursuing our own desires and at putting ourselves and maybe those closest to us first. Letting King Jesus rule over every aspect of our lives and moving in his authority, well, these things don't come naturally to us as broken, sinful human beings. And that's why Jesus told us that to see his kingdom, we must first be born again. Let's read together from John chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You can't truly receive and enter into the domain of God's rule and reign unless you're born again. Now, this understandably gets Nicodemus confused. What are you talking about, Jesus? It's not as if any of us can get back in the womb and start over. 
So Jesus says, no, you don't get it, Nicodemus, even though you really ought to. The point is, even though you've already been born naturally, it's not enough. You can't live the way God wants you to live. You can't experience the fullness of life that God intends for you, but the righteousness, peace and joy of his kingdom. Because humanity is broken. Naturally, we are sinful. We might be physically alive, but spiritually, we're already dead. So to see and enter into that beautiful kingdom, you have to be born again spiritually. Even the language of being born again can equally be translated as born from above. And Jesus goes on to explain, we're born again by the work of God's spirit. God himself comes by his spirit to give us new life. Paul, one of the great apostles of the early church, explained it like this in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You see, being born again and entering into God's kingdom really is about beginning a whole new life. And this is something we need to be really clear about. Sometimes the gospel gets presented merely in terms of how much God loves you and wants to bless you. And of course, both these things are absolutely true. God loves you and he wants to bless you. God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son. So that by believing in him, by putting your faith in him, by receiving him as your king, you might not perish, but have eternal life in him. Listen to this from Mark's gospel from right at the beginning of Jesus's public ministry in Mark 1, 14 and 15. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That word repent implies a total change in our whole way of thinking, a complete turnaround in the direction of our lives. Jesus say, is saying the rule and reign of God has come near to you in a way like never before. So you need to change your whole way of thinking. You need to change the direction of your life and put your faith, your hope and your trust in the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. Repentance and faith, well, they're like two sides of one coin. You can't really have one without the other. You have to turn away from an old way of thinking in order to embrace a new way of thinking. You have to turn away from an old way of living in order to embrace a new way of living. So it's not possible to respond to the gospel and enter into God's kingdom without first choosing to leave an old life behind. We ask God to forgive us for living life our own way, without him, without him at the center. We ask him to forgive us for putting ourselves first, for failing to love others as we should, for neglecting justice, for satisfying our own hungers and desires in unrighteous ways, for being less than the holy people that he's called us to be. And as we turn towards Jesus with faith and hope in our hearts, as we choose to actively believe in what Jesus accomplished when he died for us on the cross and when he rose again from the dead, and as we turn away from our old life and choose to make Jesus our one true king and master of our destiny, the greatest miracle of all takes place. We are born again by the spirit of God. We actually change and we get a new nature. We become a new creation born again from above. We might still be physically living in this world, but we now belong to a different kingdom. 
We are, as Paul says in Philippians 3 verse 20, citizens of heaven. When we live our new life by the Spirit of God, we are able to resist temptation, to say no to ungodliness, and to live pure, holy, and righteous lives that shine with the light of Christ. And when we find ourselves giving in to temptation, when we're selfish or unloving or proud, or when we pursue lustful desires or inappropriate relationships, when we're greedy or when we prioritize our own interests over the mission of God, we need to realize that in those moments we are living a lie. In those moments we've reverted back to our old way of life. But that isn't who we are anymore. That isn't who we are as children of God and citizens of heaven. We need to remember that the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new has come. The New Testament is so clear about this. You can't just give your life to Jesus and then just go on dabbling with everything from your old way of life. Entering into God's kingdom is about leaving the past behind and living as part of a new domain, under a new authority, under the lordship of Jesus. It's about a radical change, not just tinkering around the edges. And that's why baptism in water is endorsed by Jesus and all the New Testament apostles as the way of expressing our repentance and faith in Christ. In Acts chapter 2, thousands of people who were listening to Peter preach the gospel were cut to the heart and they asked, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I know some people talk about being ready for baptism, but the truth is baptism in water was never supposed to be a sign of reaching a certain level of maturity in your faith. It was what people did right away as soon as they turned to Jesus. As we go down into the water, we're entering into Jesus's death. Because of his death on the cross, we can die to our old way of life that we lived apart from him. It's like we're nailing our old life to the cross with him. We couldn't escape it on our own, but because of his death on our behalf, we can now die to that old way of life. And as the waters of baptism close over the top of us, it's like we're burying that old life. We're not going back to it, we're finished with it. It's like when the Egyptians tried to follow the Israelites through the Red Sea and into the Promised Land. Pharaoh had let the Israelites go, but now he changed his mind and he'd sent his army to take them back into slavery. But after the Israelites had passed safely through the sea, God closed the waters back over Pharaoh's army. He delivered his people and he cut them off from their past. And as we come up out of that water, having entered into the death of Christ and done away with our old life, we now enter into his new resurrection life. Let's read how Paul described it in his letter to the Christians in Rome. In Romans chapter 6 verses 1 to 11. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. 
For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now, this can be pretty hard to get our heads around because sometimes, even after we've given our lives to Christ, we don't feel like we're free from sin. But the truth of God's word is that if we have entered into Christ's kingdom, then we are free from sin. Of course, it's still possible for us to sin, but I mean it's no longer inevitable. If we sin, it's because we reverted back to our old life. And we, re we really need to remember who we truly are. We need to say, Lord, I am sorry because that is not who you've made me to be. That is no longer who I am. Forgive me for going back to my old life and help me to live the new life that you've given me. And this is what Paul is saying when he tells us to count ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Just like he says to the Colossians in Colossians 1.13, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. If we go around thinking of ourselves as hopeless sinners, trapped and powerless to resist temptation, then we're not only far more likely to end up sinning in the first place, but we're also denying the truth. Through repentance and faith, we've been born again from above and we've entered into Christ's kingdom. His spirit now enables us to live a kingdom life under his rule and authority. We can live pure and holy lives. And his spirit will also enable us to move in kingdom power and authority on his behalf. We can stand up for justice. We can meet the needs of the poor and the oppressed. We can love the unloved. We can heal the sick. And we can proclaim the good news of God's kingdom. So how do we respond to all this? Well, if you've never been baptized in water, I want to urge you to read through Romans 6 again and get in touch with us. Email us at baptism at makingjesusfamous.org. There are some strict regulations around baptism right now, but it's still possible and we'd love to explore that with you. But if you have been baptized in water, then I want to encourage you to bring that moment back to mind. Be amazed all over again at what God has done. He has cut you off from your old life and he's given you new birth into God's kingdom. Take time to think and pray about what that means in practice for the way you live your life. If you're watching this on Sunday morning, why not join your community for Zoom tea and coffee where we'll all be breaking bread to celebrate this new life in Christ. Uh, you should have had an email with the details. And if you're watching in person at King's House, you'll be breaking bread there too. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ and received him as your king, then you can do that right now. You can ask him to forgive you for living life your own way and to give you new birth into his amazing kingdom. And make sure you tell a friend in the church or email us at care at makingjesusfamous.org so that we can help you get started on your new journey with Christ. And may God bless you all.